size eyes. The life of a long-term multitasker. This is the Casually Profound series, where conversations create deeper connections with others and yourself, where every interaction is an opportunity to laugh, think, and feel fully, where magical moments happen spontaneously and abundantly. This series has discussions that transcend the surface level of what people do or who they are in the outer world. It aims to normalize thinking. I hope for all those engaged in this discussion, including myself, the guest, and especially you, the active listener, we stop and ponder on the ultimate question, who am I really? All while enjoying every second of it, of course. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Size Eyes podcast and the Casually Profound series. I'm here with my guest, Rashmili Vemula. Um, she is um, co-host of the Carolina Desi podcast um, and works in the marketing field um, at a tech and software company here in Charlotte. Um, so I'm excited to, to chat with you today, Rashmili. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is uh, quite a shift for me, as you know, because <laughs> I'm also a co-host, been doing that for about five years. So it's interesting being on the guest side of the table. But hey, everyone, my name is Rashmili Vemula. The first time I actually say it like in a traditional Telugu way, <laughs> my name. But uh, like I mentioned, I co-host the Carolina Daisy podcast. And while I do currently work in marketing, my background has been in software and tech and development. Shocker. <laughs> uh, but marketing has been an interesting switch for the last couple of years. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so far so good. Awesome. Um, yeah, so we'll just kind of go into um, just kind of make sure that you know we're kind of relaxed and going into yeah. a good vibe mindset and should i get um, a drink yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we got our we got our coffees we got yeah. our lattes <laughs> yep um but yeah so just kind of start out we can kind of i like to close my eyes and listeners if you want to do this as well feel free to just sink in to your body Slow down the breath. Feel the breath coming in and out. In and out. Slowing down the pace. And being grateful for an amazing Sunday morning here in Lower South End, Charlotte. About to have an amazing conversation where ideas are exchanged, thoughts are freely shared. And we have a profound and a casual interaction and leave this conversation fully energized for the rest of the weekend and going into the new week. 
just soak in that feeling for a quick second. Awesome, and then now we can return back to Land of a Thousand Hills Coffee. <laughs> nice, that was beautiful. Yes, I love that you add that piece into your conversations. Just don't close your eyes if you're driving. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah, I, I, should, I should add that to, to the intro there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the first question I wanted to ask you um, is, you know, you can take this to deep variety, you can take this, you know, however you, you know, want to. Um, but first question is, who do others think Rashmi Livemula is? Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Why didn't you give me these questions beforehand? <laughs> it's got to be a spontaneous uh, conversation. That is an interesting question because, and I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I do think this theory stands for a lot of South Asian people with the way that their nurturing is, with their achieving mindset. Um, but I feel like, at least for me, I spend a lot of time thinking about that exact thing. Even though I don't know for a fact what those people might be thinking about me or mm. thinking of me or their perspective of me, I spend a lot of time addressing it without even knowing what that perspective is. Mm. Just always thinking about what they might be thinking of me, right? Yeah. Or how they're judging me is probably the better way to say it. Okay. But to answer your question, um, and this is based on feedback from people I work with yeah, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> um, oh, God. <laughs> if you think I'm very helpful and uh -huh. friendly and extroverted at the right times, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> not continuously extroverted where I'm not like getting any work done or just a distraction, mm -hmm. um, but they also know that they can trust me to get it done. And I, I can agree with that. I know for a fact that I'm not an ideas person. I will admit that I can't think of crazy new ideas. I'm not creative in that way. But if you give me an idea, I will execute it mm. as creatively as possible. I think I need the idea first, but I'm very good at executing. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's one attribute and characteristic that I think people see, but also the one that I see of myself. Okay. Yeah. I guess... Uh that's I think what you described there was more from like a I guess professional mm -hmm. standpoint I guess how would you characterize how others view you from like a like a family or friends type of perspective uh. <laughs> it's totally different just like extroverted yeah. out the wall well I guess you can <laughs> I guess you can tell based on my answer that I don't think of my personal appearance in that way like personality personality appearance yeah <laughs> So, the way I think that people see me outside of work would be very similar to the way they see me at, in, at work. Yeah. Try to be as authentic in both settings as possible, because yeah. that's one thing that I struggled with for a long time. There was like the work Rishmilian, and there was the not work Rishmilian. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but over the years, especially after the main two years of the pandemic, as I was reconsidering where my time was going, where my energy was going, and I realized that that's something I needed to combine. But outside of work, I think people see me as easygoing mm -hmm. um, or just going with the flow. And I think I do that on purpose because in any other scenario, I need to have control. 
uh-huh. <laughs> so if someone else has control, it's great. I can just go with the flow and it's, it's fantastic. It's right. kind of nice like letting go of that feeling because normally I need this type of control. There's like this contradiction of I need the control of every single detail and I will control that detail if you allow me to do it. And I use this like in a like planning a trip setting. Yeah. If you allow me to execute planning of that trip, you might regret it because I'm like, here's the itinerary, yeah. <laughs> here's where we're going, I got the reservations. I don't know, some people might, might like that, but that's how I appreciate it. Right. And I don't expect that from everyone, but if they do it, that's sort of like my love language. They're like, here's the Excel sheet yeah. <laughs> of everything. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, off tangent, but I would say easygoing, friendly, laughing a lot at everything, yeah. <laughs> even if it's awkward or not, <laughs> an area where you need to be laughing about something. Right, okay. That's a long-winded answer. I don't know if I asked you. I think I was just stalling No, yeah, no. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. I, I mean, there's a lot of tangents to go down here. Yeah. I, I guess... Never been asked that question before. Really? Well, you've never been asked it, but you said you've always thought about it and like in innately, I guess, right? Or right, intuitively? I think it was, it's less about oh, this person thinks of me as such, but more like, I just don't want this person thinking of me in a good or a bad way. Just <laughs> so like, let me just, just, get, just get ahead of it yeah. and do what I need to do. It's yeah, yeah. like constantly wondering if people are, what will people say kind of thing. Right, as yeah. brown people will understand, yeah. <laughs> what will people say? So before I even get to the point of what would people say, I just say, I'm just going to do it. Right, okay, yeah. yeah. So you said that you were kind of, you've, recently kind of combined or you felt the need to combine like your like our work self and personal self um i guess what was that transition like from what you were feeling or doing before to what you feel right now how was that kind of growth transformation yeah like so i've been out of school working for about seven years graduated in 2015 and you know, at your first job, there's still these boundaries and these things that you're learning. And automatically, and I don't know if this applies to everyone, but for me at least, there were so many things that I was learning and understanding about the corporate work setting or just the work setting that I was just in case yeah. hiding what could have been my authentic self. Um, fortunately, I had a team where I could be my authentic self or at least my version of authentic self appropriate for a work yeah. setting, right? Um, yeah. But that wasn't the case for the rest of the company because either I just met them or they were like even higher up that there's just some boundaries there and that I can appreciate that like that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but now I work at a smaller company. It's like a complete shift. So I was kind of surprised at how casual the work setting was at my current company compared to others. Other one just because of the size difference. So there's like this startup um culture mentality even though it's not a startup they just have like they got the beer on top like that, that kind of stuff yeah. but they're also like able to openly share their frustrations where you might not be able to kind of have that openness at a bigger company if you're not on the right team right right because you have to be very stoic or very political or whatever right. at, at a bigger company yeah um, so I've been at this company for three years two of which were at home Height of the pandemic, you know. So the the transition was interesting because I was like, like the first day people were like cursing. 
uh, the company at my new company because right. they were just like frustrated at whatever they were building and stuff. And I'm sure. like, are they allowed to say that here? <laughs> like, what what is going on? Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> I think the difference between why I transitioned or really saw that perspective was because I've just been going later into my career, right? The first four years at the other company was still right out of college, new to everything, and then now it's like, okay, I'm really confident in what I do. I'm confident in my abilities, even if it isn't a switch to a different line of business. I'm still very confident in who I am at a work setting yeah. that I'm able to kind of transition some of my out of work personality traits into my work life. Right. And I have the space to make it happen. Right. Okay. At my current company, which is which is nice. Right. Yeah. Because I've definitely felt that kind of I think a similar thing where I worked at like um, I was working at Capgemini, which is like a big mm-hmm. consulting yeah. firm for like a year plus, and I could feel like I was just a number. Yeah, right. <laughs> a resource. Uh, I know. Yeah, is it's what like, they call. I know. Them. Yeah, yeah. Which is a whole different topic. Yeah. But like, I'm not. I'm not fond of human resources, like that term. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was like we're just resource exploitation here. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, kind of. It is a very icky like term. objectifying like type of term, right? Right. Um, but like going from that setting to like a startup here. Yeah. Um, at Two Laundry, it's like. You know, it wasn't necessarily used to, you know, like cursing or just like more laid back. You know, it was like yeah. people wore shorts, you know, at the office. Right. Um, like, you know, we'll have like we'll, uh, like dog and, and puppy Fridays sometimes. Yep. So I was like, all right, this is a change of scenery from like, all right, got to dress up in like, you know, slacks and button down and yep. tucked in and all that type of stuff. That's um, true. I forgot to mention the dress code. The dress code is so different. Um, the first four years, because that was my first job at the bigger company, I went, you know, went all out, bought like really nice clothes, corporate appropriate clothes. Yeah. And then when I came to this smaller company, I wore those same clothes. They're like, you're overdressed. Like, yeah. The lady, like, she actually was like, you're overdressed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So the first two weeks of my new job, I was literally in my closet. Like, I was like, I have nothing to wear. I literally have nothing to wear. It's like either all like co- like fully corporate or like just like, like pajamas. T-shirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I was like, oh my God, this is, this sucks. I wish I could work from home. This wasn't like at the time when work from home was normal like before yet. COVID, yeah. <laughs> it was pre-COVID. But yeah, the dress code is so different. Yeah, the dogs at the office. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so different. Right. And then like, I think from a management perspective, it's also very, it's a little different um, mm-hmm. in terms of it's like I can be open. I can be more of my like what you're saying with yeah. your authentic self. Yeah. Right. And it's like all right, I can share what's on my mind without any, um, like, voice in the back of my head saying like, oh, yeah. they may have some ulterior motive if like if I share something and then like mm-hmm. they don't take it well and like what's gonna happen? Like, am I not gonna yeah. get promoted? Like, go down this like spiral. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's like, but then it's like it's but here it's like you know people who are our age who are, like, fully understand. Yeah. Um, and of like grown up in like in our generation and I kind of kind of see what you know why people are there understand like hey people may not be there for like a full career right yeah and so I guess has that been something that you've noticed of because I think from a overall trend perspective it's it's uh, like people work at or you people let's say used to work or there was expectation of working with a company for 20 30 40 years like <laughs> yes. one company like ride or die um, like get a pension with them, like retirement, all that <laughs> stuff, right? Yep. But then now it's like, it's almost seen as like, if you jump, if you keep jumping between companies, it's, it's almost seen as like, all right, you're just like 
kind of trying to get more money, right? Like one year here, one year there, one year here, yeah. right? I guess, how, how do you kind of view um, that overall perspective as well as like, like your individual experience there? Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. So I think leading up to like through college and through doing the whole process of looking for interviews and going through that finding a career process, I was also kind of told that if you jump around, it's not a good look because that's something that recruiters look at and say, you've only been at this job for X number of years, why'd you leave? Because you're right, at one point it was, you have to stay here at least like 10 years for it to really matter. You have to get like that type of tenure. Right. But I think, and I don't know if it was the pandemic that changed it or just it was already headed that way. It shifted to the opposite, at least what I was seeing, where it was kind of strange if you didn't jump around every two years, whether yeah. that is even at the same company, if you don't switch jobs at the same company every two to three years, it's concerning to some recruiters. Right, yeah. Um, so, so I did meet a lot of people at my first job who'd been there for like 20, 25 years and who had no sign of leaving anytime soon. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a mix of the company is good, you know, they have the good benefits there and yeah. they have no reason to leave, right? Like that's, they have right. a family to take care of. There's just that type of security for people to not leave after yeah. 20 something years. And the people who do, they, they, they get to that 20 year point and they're like, I wonder if it is too late for me to move right now because I've just been so ingrained into this type of system like either technology or software or even just the mm -hmm. um, subject matter just being the subject matter expert at a certain company or just yeah. like the confidence when it comes to keeping up with quote-unquote new technology I'm, t I'm speaking from a tech side by the way just right. from software and wh what I've seen um, but but also my personal perspective was seeing my parents working at the same job yeah. for 20, 25, 30 years, it was kind of strange for them when I told them I was leaving my company after four years. And they're like, are you sure something happened? Like, <laughs> are they gonna pay you at your new company? Or are you gonna have benefits? I'm like, yes, they're gonna pay me right, at my yeah. new company. And yes, I have benefits. But like for them, it was just like so crazy to think about. Cause my dad, for example, had been at the same company uh, for almost 25 years. They'd seen the transition of acquisitions and the like, company changes, right. like he'd seen it all. Um, so having that perspective growing up and then seeing it initially in my career, but having it completely shifted as I was trying to figure out back to the authentic self part and am I really happy spending 40 plus hours a week right. at this place, at this team? Um, is there a future for me here? Uh, right. And really for my parents, like for them to think that I'd considered happiness yeah. <laughs> as a, a metric right. when making the decision between switching jobs or switching yeah. careers um, was just so foreign to them. I can see why, because yeah. for the same reason they suggested or volunteered me yeah. to go into computer science, because yeah. <laughs> they know there's like... Uh, it's like there's money there, it's like a good solid, you know, stable career, if you will, right? Exactly, as everyone knows at least in a culture like ours yeah. there's like the three career paths that they know for a fact will make money three or four yeah um that they're like already decided for you you don't have to make the decision right yeah <laughs> so that's how i ended up in computer science um and then going through my first job and learning that there's more than just development or more than just so and so in the traditional software type of job yeah um has opened up my view on working and the career options there are for people as well yeah. as like the type of altruism that I choose to have. For example, I work with a nonprofit that 
bring STEM resources to girls and women, and these are the types of STEM resources that I didn't have okay. as I was making those decisions. So mm -hmm. it's just kind of like paying it forward in that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but yeah, there's, no. there's a lot that played into initially what I ended up choosing as a career, as well as how I ended up here now in marketing. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, when I told my parents I was switching from software to marketing, even though I'm still at the same software company, I'm just a different line of business. They're like, what? Right. <laughs> I'm so confused. What are you yeah. doing? So. I, was there, I guess, what was the impetus for like making that switch, even though like still in the realm of technology and software, what was that transition like or, and why did you kind of make that transition from that to more like the marketing side? Oh my gosh. It was, it was completely unexpected. Okay. I thought I was going to continue this particular route. So I joined this company three years ago in an analyst, like a lead analyst role where I was the liaison between the client and the business side as well as the development side. So we were the development side building a custom software solution for a client mm. that had a vision. Yeah. So I was a translator between the two, trying to get their vision into technical terms for our developers to develop. And I loved it, I loved that, because that's not what I was taught in school, by the way. Uh, in school, in a traditional computer science degree, they're like, you won't succeed unless you develop, unless you're right. a developer. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not gonna succeed, I'm never gonna have a job, because yeah. I didn't enjoy that. And then I got my first job and then made that, figured that out that there is more than just one career path to be successful in technology. Yeah. Um, and that's how I ended up at this company being that liaison because that was just way more fun for me. Um, I was able to talk to people, but also translate technically to my development team. Yeah. So that ended, I, I was on that project from March 2019 through like June 2020. Uh -huh. I was ready to onboard to my next client. And then the leadership team at my current company came to me and they were like, hey, we think that <laughs> you'd be really good for this role that we're creating okay. where we need someone to oversee marketing, recruiting, and employee experience okay. because we didn't have anyone established to do that. That wasn't really a department, quote unquote, established because mm. again, we're a small company. People were just kind of helping out here and there for those pieces, but then they realized that they needed a strategic effort and someone focused on doing it, which yeah. is how they're going to be successful. And they thought... I'd be good for that. And I was like, are you sure? Because <laughs> you know for a fact, marketing is not said anywhere on my, on my resume. Right, yeah. And they're like, oh, we know. <laughs> we know that. We also don't know marketing that well, but we're here to learn together. And you know, this will be a, a joint effort. Right. Uh, we're not just gonna throw you in there because we also wanna learn how to establish something like this. Right. So, so I said, yes to that because this was a new line of business that they trusted me with, yeah. knowing that I'm still learning about it, right. or at the time, and uh, they saw that potential in me to be able to lead something like that without having that experience, like without having that textbook experience. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let's do it, right. as long as you let me do whatever I want, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. So it'll be two years this coming August. And nice, congrats. It's, thank you. It's, yeah. been, it's been very interesting. So I will say unexpected, but I said yes because the skill sets for something like this would also be good for like product management or product marketing. Yeah. So if I could combine the technical and the marketing experience, just, you know. Right. I mean, that's a perfect like background. Like you got the technology side, you got the mm -hmm. marketing side and like that's draw those Venn diagrams so overlapping yeah, right? is a product, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So right now in my role, I've so far established the department. 
and it's just been me for the last two years. Yeah, wow, well, <laughs> um, okay. And then now I just have a new person to been, to help me with the things I just no longer had the time to do. Yeah. Um, and I see my company as my product. So in a way, mm. I'm product marketing. Yeah. But my company's my product, so I'm selling my company. Yeah. I guess that is interesting. You said, so the, th uh, the three things that you said were, um, well, obviously, like the marketing side, but then you also said was it employee experience, and then recruiting. You're recruiting, right? So I guess, so I guess when I mentioned HR, is that kind of in your wheelhouse, or is that like part of your responsibilities, or how how does that work? Yeah, so I definitely don't do like talent acquisition. I facilitate the candidate experience from the company side. It's like once they become a. Like a so a so there was joined. already a recruiting process situated okay. that was before I joined the company as well as before I joined the role where we already knew what interview stages like the, the prompts and those types of interviews like what they're gonna take place as but there was no one managing once that person applies and all the people interviewing they just were kind of expected to do it but they didn't have the time because they also had like their real job yeah yeah <laughs> right so. So I was really facilitating once they apply, okay, hey, let me tell you about my company and are you interested in the role? Okay, if you're good, we'll take you to the next stage. You work with me the whole time and we'll take you to the next stage and then move you forward. I'll be communicating with you. So it's really the candidate experience. Mm -hmm. And also right now what I'm focusing on is building a more sustainable structure for our recruiting process. Because for the most part, we rely on like other agencies to give us candidates and stuff. Yeah. But It'd be nicer if we didn't have to do that and we could yeah. just focus on building it up ourselves right okay yeah i mean that's uh yeah but not hr not like the the policies or like the legalities right. around right. hiring someone yeah that's for someone else right but it's like helping out once it's like almost onboarding like helping mm -hmm. with the onboarding process and like easing their transition into the company and yep. making sure that they're like ready to do their job as quick quickly as possible as w well as possible yeah right and that falls under my employee experience bucket right yeah so <laughs> i will hold their hand all the way until they get hired and then once they're hired i'll be like hey now let's get you with all of our zoom backgrounds right and <laughs> get you our t-shirts like, right that's the employee experience side of what okay. i do but my primary focus is marketing mm -hmm. i guess is that do you think that's lacking in other places that you've seen or heard about from friends or other you know network or whatnot because I think that's that's like an underrated piece of like company culture employee experience right where it's like it's you know, you, you know I see a lot of posts out there it's like all right your employees are you know happy employees equals happy you know mm -hmm. customers right yeah and so I guess do you think there is enough of an emphasis right now on that employee experience type of thing versus it's like all right the customer's always right, customer always first, right? Mm. I think there has to be a balance, but I'm not sure what your thoughts there are of yeah. like the employee experience side, since you are pretty involved in that. Are you asking at my current company or just or in like, general? I guess like what you've seen from um, from other other places, of, mm -hmm. you know, that you've heard about or like experienced as well. Yeah. And, yeah. So, I'm sure you'll agree with this coming from a former big company yeah. as well and maybe the memes you've seen about corporate culture, <laughs> but um, I think employee experience has been mistaken for material things or tangible events, like the pizza parties or right. whatever, it's, and it's not that. And yes, the perks and the benefits also play a big part in why people stay, but are they 
do they have the space to be their authentic self? That is a big thing. Are they getting the flexibility they need? Do they have the autonomy? And does their leadership trust them to get their stuff done? They're adults. They can get their stuff done. Right. Of course, there are people that don't get their stuff done and you have to have those conversations. But generally speaking, adults who are working, they have their lives and they also have, they know what they're doing. That's why you hired them. Right. Right. So at least for, for our company, we're very adamant about get your work done, be transparent with your client and your team, but we don't care how you get it done. Like take yeah. care of your family first do all that take care of your life yeah as long as you get your work done we don't care when or how it gets done so and i can appreciate that about our company and if most companies or the companies that do have that mindset because that's how people stay right it's not that t-shirt it is not the pizza party yeah it is not that whatever event like, yes that's those are great do right. those because that's how you create the bond and that's how you allow people to meet each other because if they're so heads down in their work, they're not given the opportunities to also get to know their company members. Yeah. So yeah, give them the opportunities to do that, but that's not the reason people stay. Right. Because it's their livelihoods. And especially again, after the pandemic made them realize that they're spending too much time at work or yeah. not enough time with their families and just make them really reconsider um, what's more important is giving them the flexibility to live their lives. Right, because yeah, I think I've seen that as more as like, it's addressing the symptoms rather than the root cause. Yes. Right, it's like our happy hour is here, like yeah, like we got swag for you guys here, <laughs> yes. and it's like, you're just trying to, not addressing the root cause of like, all right, maybe we need to hire more people, or yes. maybe we need to like help out so you're not working 60 hours a week. Right. Right, and so it's like, yeah, I, I almost like, I think, like I break it down in terms of, I ended up creating this like framework for myself of like there's like pros and cons right which is like a classic framework but then yeah. there's like um if you think about like a product or a service right it's i think we combine both the f the value that it adds as well as the the friction that is reduced right so if you think about like amazon for example they haven't really added i mean they've obviously added value but i think they've just reduced the friction of like all right i want this item and they've reduced that time from five days to two days to like mm -hmm. an hour now, right? <laughs> right? And it's, it's yeah. just like reducing that friction. It's like it's almost like whenever you think of it, it's like at your doorstep, right? right? And so if you like apply that kind of framework to like to the workplace, you know, I think we're so involved and so I think set on adding value, mm -hmm. which I think is is necessary, but at the detriment of trying to reduce friction and reducing friction in this employee experience case yes. is yeah. like, let's hire more people. Let's make the office space more conducive to collaboration or to deep work or, you know, a mixture of both. Right. Yeah. And so I think it's just like, I think we're, I think we got to focus more on like the, all right, how can we make it as easy as possible for us to be successful rather than, oh, we got these perks and benefits. Like yeah. we got, you know, a gym here, we got, you know, um, you know, uh, like mental, you know, health stuff. We got therapy. No, yeah. I think those are all needed sure. and necessary. But I think those are value add and not necessarily friction reducing type of things. Ooh, yes. <laughs> okay. Look at that six sigma. Yeah. <laughs> Just pick it up what I see on Instagram. <laughs> no, that's a great way of putting it. Frictionless. Um, or reducing the friction of these processes because that's exactly right. I mean, the perks are great, but not enough for people to have a reason to stay. Right, exactly. Um, I guess one thing you mentioned in your last comment was uh, about having 
the ability at work to be your authentic self, right? Um, I guess from a personal standpoint, how have you kind of gone, like what's, what, what's been your process and journey and transformation like from all right, discovering your, more of your authentic self now from let's say who you were when you graduated to when you switched mm -hmm. companies to, um, to where you are now, what's been that process like and what's helped you get to the point where you are now? Oof. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but that's a deep, deep question of for me. Of course. I mean, this, uh, is, this is a casually profound series, so. But it's, <laughs> it seems like very intentionally profound because yeah. that, is, that is something I'm still working on. I think, going, kind of going back, are you familiar with the Enneagram yeah, yeah. test, right? So I'm a type three. Yeah, I think, I think I'm a type four. I want to say four and then I think three wing, wing three, three wing. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I've, from my theory, a lot of South Asians tend to have, are, are tend, or tend to be type three or have the type three wing or qualities just because of the way that we were taught that achievements or accomplishments defined our value yeah or our value as an individual so i think that's the lot of unlearning that i'm currently working on or have been working on so yes it's it was um, accelerated by the pandemic as yeah. i reassess where my time and energy are going but that's still something i'm working on with the authentic self what makes me happy what uh, where my passions really are am i doing this because i want to or am i doing it because i'm supposed to or people right. expect me to and that applies to everything like activities or um, organizations that i participate in like are these things that i want to do and that's the hardest question because i don't know sometimes who i am or what i want to do right so so i don't know if that's something that people can figure out very quickly and if they can I could use some tips, but <laughs> I feel like for me it's going to be like a lifelong. Yeah, I mean, type I, I think it, for for most people, I think yeah. for everyone, it's like, like what do I like to do? What do I not like to do? Yeah, yeah, but I think some people just really, to their core, know who they are, are confident about who they are, and um, also just know what to do with their lives. <laughs> I just feel like there's some people like once they find it, they find it, and they're like, "This is it. This is my calling. This is my passion." I'm like, "What?" Yeah. How did you figure that out? Because <laughs> still feel like I'm going. But yes, you're right. There are a lot of people who are probably in that same boat and still trying to figure out what their calling or passion, quote unquote, is. But um, I guess my journey in trying to figure that out is kind of like the meditation that you did at the beginning of this, just letting me feel it, mm -hmm. which was something I avoided for a long time. Uh -huh. Like, what, does, what feeling does this give me? Does this spark joy yeah. kind of situation? <laughs> Um, but also not um, not talking myself out of it, like convincing myself that I do like it. You know, right. That's something I need to, I'm trying to figure out as well. Or Yeah. Okay. So. Awesome. No, it's, <laughs> I guess, um, yeah, I, I think right now we'll, we'll do like a quick, uh, what I like to do here is I know like in normal conversations, I think we're always trying to think of like what we want to say or like in this case, like what I, what I want to ask or whatever it yeah. is. Right. Um, but I think I've really found um, time to pause and time to think as really crucial, whether on this micro scale of a conversation or a macro scale of like taking a, a week break. Right. Mm -hmm. or whatever yeah. it is. So um, if you want, we'll do like a quick uh, 30 second, one minute break. Sure. Of, of, yeah. geez, I'm just kind of just kind of chilling. Yeah. Um, you can. 
uh, think about whatever, you know, do whatever. But then um, <laughs> at the end, I really um, value the questions that people ask because I think that can really get insight into how people think mm -hmm. um, in addition to what, you know, what they say and what, you know, their comments or statements are. Um, so at the end of that break, I'll ask you to ask me a question um, and then we'll keep the conversation going from there. Okay. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's turn into like a psychology analysis yeah. for you. You're like, you know, see what she asks me. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. All right. Any any questions that pop popped up in your mind? So I was curious um, why you made this segment as a part of your podcast, casually profound, as a title, as well as what drove you to choose it as a segment that you wanted to include on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, and what are you, what have you gained from? It? I guess like three questions in all, but yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll follow up with first off, why? Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, so I'm really, I like to be different for, for better or worse. Quirky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to do as many things as differently as possible from a normal podcast that I've seen at least. And so hence why I included like the meditation at the beginning, right? Because then, because people separate out, oh, like, I want to do a meditation. So then you segment the meditation, you know, these five, 10 minutes into that or right, this is a conversation so someone's always got to be talking right yeah. or um, it's like we got to take a break so I need to detox no phone no nothing right mm -hmm. I like to kind of blur the lines between a lot of different things yep. similar to what you were saying of like combining that true self mm -hmm. right from the work personal life and every other domain of your life into one thing yeah right and so I wanted to um, I, I really found the value of um, of breaks and pauses as and recovery as something that's like really necessary for us to be our full selves to like be our best selves even right and where because I think relating this back to our work professional conversation it's like we're we go you know so hard for like you know 40 50 60 70 hours a week and then and then we sometimes we get even more tired after a weekend Whereas like you said, we got travel or we got weddings or we got, you know, all these different things going on. Like, oh man, like Monday, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but then, you know, I think taking a break during the workday is something that I've, you know, like let, eating lunch not at my desk, for example. It's like a way to recover so I can focus on something for the next three hours instead of, you know, um, not being able to focus, right? Yeah. And so 
I've really found the, at, at every scale, you know, whether it's in a, within an hour setting, whether it's in a, within a day setting, taking a break, meditating. I've, last year I started doing like Tai Chi, mm -hmm. um, wow. you know, whether it's like working out or whatever it is, right? So mm -hmm. like on a daily level, right? Taking a couple of breaks throughout the day to help create that energy, yeah. right? And to recover, recover the mind, recover the body, recover the soul. And then from like a, a quarterly basis, right? I do like a, I haven't done it this year as much, but last year I was doing, I was going out to a, like booking a, like not an Airbnb, but like a glamping hub type of place where mm -hmm. I would stay for a weekend and just kind of journal, just kind of plan for the next quarter, reflect on the past few months, right? And so like that scale of taking a break from our daily life, yeah. I found that in incredibly valuable. Yeah. And so on the one of those breaks last year, I was th that's where I came up with this type of uh, thing in, in, to include. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right, I got to let's bring that from the macro scale from that quarterly level to uh, something that's on the, the conversational level. And I think there's a lot of value in that. So like one of the your second or third question about like what value has it provided? I think it's I'm able to do more after the recovery um, than let's say other people who let's say go 100%. It's if you think about it from a battery perspective, you're going like from 100%, and then you just we just completely go down like consistently 100, 90, 80, 70, 60, all the way down to zero, right? But it's not until until zero that we take a break, yeah. right? But then if you over the long scale. I believe, and I've experienced it myself, where it's like, I'm not gonna go all the way down to zero. I'm gonna go down to like 30, 40% and then recharge back up to 100. And if I do that in short burst on a micro and macro scale, mm -hmm. then I can achieve more, let's say, within a day or a week or a month or a year than, let's say, other people who go down to zero and then try to recover back up, right? And like, I can, if I do that, I can do three years worth of work in a few months mm. right and so then it's like scale that times 20 years 40 years yeah. right like i'm no, no not trying to compare people sure, but sure. from if i had done what other people do yeah. right then i'm just not being my full self yeah. so that's kind of how i've why i did that how that came to be and then the benefits that i've kind of gleaned from it so far Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love that. I think <coughs> the last couple of years I've been seeing a lot of people suggesting and seeing the benefit of taking those longer breaks, whether that is a retreat style or whatever way that seems appropriate for them. They're able to come back just more rejuvenated and stronger in their mindset as well as yeah. more creative in their ideas. So I think I'll have to implement that yeah. into my yearly or <laughs> Have you done plans. anything? I guess like that or no I will say my last trip the one right before the wedding yeah. um, was very relaxing in a, in a way that normally trips for me aren't like because I when I'm going on trips I want to see things I want to do things you know I want to just always be on on yeah always be on yeah. especially with people or family or friends like um, but for this time because I think I was there a little bit longer than on most trips most yeah. trips I'm there for like just a weekend. Yeah, but this one I was there for like a week week and a half almost and We had more downtime So I was able to just actually reflect so that was the most relaxed I'd come back from any trip I'd taken um, But I haven't done something like what you mentioned just a a staycation, but not at home where you have to do laundry, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> Go away and 
like just plan. You don't have to go and explore. You can just stay at home, meditate, you know, really relax your mind. So that's something I want to do. Right, yeah. I guess what is your process for reflection? Because I think, I think people maybe, there's a stigma to being alone, mm. right? Mm -hmm. It's like, um, it's like, it's almost viewed as, like, I like being alone. And people confuse that with being lonely, right? right? Yeah. But then it's alone, it's not the same as lonely. Like, I think, you know, I heard this from, from Naval Ravikant of like, you know, it's like, life is a, is a single player game from the perspective of if you want to be your full self, right? I'm, on the flip side, it's like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, yeah, go with both. others, right? So there's right. a balance there. But I think we've tipped the scale too much on the side of like, let's do everything with everyone, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And then not spending enough time by ourselves and finding our true authentic self and that refining process of that. Yeah. So I guess what is your reflection process look like? Or what are maybe even specifically, what did it look like on, on this trip that you yeah. recently took, right? Yeah, really just being alone with my thoughts. And that's something with the stigma that you mentioned, that's something I did not want to do ever before. I was like, man, my thoughts are either boring or just off tangent or maybe even scary that I never did it. And this was also pre-pandemic when I was still new city, new life, you know, recently graduated, just right. trying to explore the world or explore the city at least. And that was my excuse to not being at home alone. But then yeah. looking back, it's like, oh no, I just could not be alone. You know, it was very interesting looking back on that. And I keep relating everything back to the pandemic, but that first five, six months of the pandemic in 2020, you know, we were all forced to stay inside. And I'd like to think I was very extroverted prior to that, always wanting to do things, going out and yeah. staying out late, never being at home. But when we were forced to stay at home, it had completely shifted me to being an introvert, right? Like we were cut off from all types of socializing. Yeah. And I think, at least for me, I lost a lot of those socializing abilities, um, as well as wanting to be alone. Actually, I think I had to be forced to be alone to be like, wow, this isn't actually that bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, two years later, I'm like, I really do value my alone time. Yeah. And you're right, there is a stigma associated with it that, oh, you don't want to hang out with us or, you know, there's, you're mad or there's something going on. You know, it's more like, no, I want to be alone so I can actually think and do my stuff and come back to you better and funner or whatever, right? So, yeah. yeah. Right now, it's just 10 minutes of silence. And I want to get better at like journaling and not being intimidated by journaling. I do it here and there when my, it's just too much to like yeah. think through when I could just put it all on paper. But I want to make it to a point where it's a habit. And it's not a habit right now. It's sporadic. But I see the benefits. So I want to make it a habit. But um, yeah, went through the whole process of being intimidated by a blank book. And I was oh. like, oh, this is so empty. Uh, I'll write tomorrow. Right, so. yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, pretty, it's pretty, yeah, it can be daunting, like, especially at the beginning, because I think it's something I, because I used to not be like a writer or a journal or any, anything, but then I think it started for me as like, let's say, um, like I would chronicle things, mm -hmm. as in like, all right, yeah. here's what happened, yeah. but not like actually my feelings or emotions with it, right? So it's like, it was a first step, foray into 
getting my thoughts, whatever they were, of external events that were happening. And then let's, a couple of years, I think during the pandemic, I started journaling a little bit more. And then I would write for like, like few nights, I would write for three, four, five hours. Oh my god! Yeah, wow. and it, yeah, and it was yeah, it was like seven, eight, nine pages sometimes, yeah. and it, it felt really good to yeah. get my thoughts out on the from my head onto paper to see actually see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the one thing I realized through that journaling process was the conditioning that I've had of writing, of the process of writing from school, right? Of like writing was more expositional in terms of. All right, we got a format. We got a right. like. All right, here's your intro and your closing, and you gotta have three body paragraphs, and you have supporting points and all this type of thing. Where it's like writing became more of a science in that context rather than an art, yeah. right? Um, and so I think I found my because I, I I love words, and I think I lost my love of words like mm-hmm. through like middle school and high school, and then yeah, college as well, yeah. and then afterwards is become like all right I really like getting my thoughts out on the paper so I can see them um, and so it's um, I guess like have you um, from a uh, from like the, the creativity side I guess I, I know you mentioned at the beginning you're kind of lean more towards like all right let's have a plan and like I'll execute it like perfectly and you know mm-hmm. go for it right um, I guess how have you kind of seen the creativity side um, piece of it at work or at home kind of develop over time as well yeah so uh, I grew up being an artist um, mm. yeah like like true 2D art that was my jam and it was nice doing that in high school when all my art supplies were given to me for free yeah. <laughs> in school <laughs> um, kind of lost that along the way as we were just thinking about work and you know, you weren't taught that creative creativity could be applied to your work life as well. You know, there was, there, at least for me, I was always thinking that there is a certain time to be creative. There is a scheduled time to be that. Um, and I guess that's the other contradiction of spontaneity and creativity as well as structure. Because for me, it's like, we can be spontaneous during this scheduled time. Right, <laughs> yeah. Right? So um, that's always been my mindset. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll make some time to be creative again or do this or do that. But then you start working and then you have these other responsibilities and then I was like well the creativity will never get the time right now just I'm too busy with other things Mm -hmm. so and then I realized that there there shouldn't be a science kind of like what you said about this formatting for journaling there shouldn't be a structure sometimes around the creativity aspect of it so while I'm still rebuilding that muscle of being creative um, I'm able to do that now with my current role within marketing. Yes, I have like brand standards and stuff, yeah. but I get to be creative with that. Um, I'm trying to get back into dance. That's some creativity just to kind of get out of the very analytical side of everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's sometimes too much, right? Like you have to let your inner child be free sometimes and right. enjoy it. So. Yeah, still trying to decide if is it making the time for it or just kind of letting letting it go. Because yeah. I think I mentioned earlier in this conversation as well, like I need I need control over everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it can be done the right way, which is my way. Right. Um, but yeah. What's yeah. your question? Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's about uh, um, yeah, like finding those forms of expression. Yeah. Right. I think 
that creativity is because like, I, I don't necessarily buy when people say like I'm not creative <laughs> right because I, I think everyone is creative in their own ways yeah. I think we there's a societal definition of what creativity is yeah right and then if you don't fall into that definition then you're not creative right right, right. but I think everyone is creative whether that's through dancing whether that's through mm-hmm. art as seen mm-hmm. as society or writing is creative you know like literally every like this you know design architecture mm-hmm. of a building is creativity right and so like literally everything is creativity um, and I think even with your point of like brand standards, right? That when I think there's different ways of having creativity. I think when we're actually confined, I think we're almost forced to be more creative. Yeah. Right. It's like, all right, we have these parameters that we have to create something within. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, all right, we have you know, ten thousand square foot of this coffee place to mm-hmm. build something that people want to come to and hang out and whatnot. Right. And then so let's create a space where we can do that as well as possible. Yeah. Right. I think that's that's the creative side of architecture and design, right? So I think creativity is comes in all different forms. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, I, th- I think it's just like part of the authentic self is like, how are we creative? Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's like one way of phrasing that we don't ask ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like if we phrase it as already true, like I am creative instead of, or in addition to saying like, yeah. like an affirmation, like yeah, I am creative, yeah. it's like, going beyond that it's like yeah. why am I creative how am I creative yeah. what creative things can I like create today right I think that's like the next level for myself was like right and you know the writing is one aspect mm-hmm. what's what's next right yeah um, you're so casually profound so yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah I guess this is true yeah I agree with, I agree with you um, I think when we're when we're given this path of well go to school get a job live your responsible li- livelihood as an adult, you're automatically kind of forced to put aside creativity as a hobby or something other than your day-to-day, yeah. when it really should have been a part of who you should be and can be, because I think it just, whatever you consider creativity, kind of like what you said, just makes whatever you're already doing just better. It's just more fun, right? and you might just have better solutions out of that as well. Right, hundred percent. Is I, one thing that you touched on was uh, before was about the like achieving mindset, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess I'm just kind of curious you know, of general thoughts on achieving mindset, where you know, because I, I feel like you've you've thought about it, you've, you've reflected on it um, mm-hmm. quite a bit. So um, yeah. I'll just kind of open-ended yeah. thoughts on like the achieving mindset. Yeah, I mean. So growing up, I was involved with a lot of extracurriculars because either it was expected or that's how you get into a good school or that's how you get a good job because of your well-roundedness into everything and not just your academics. So growing up, I was involved in dance, like I had mentioned, archery and art. Those are my extracurriculars that um, I had really established and developed all the way through high school and then just kind of dropped in college. Um, So a lot of these accolades came through those extracurriculars and it was either you're the best at it or just don't bother doing it, right? So there's this like perfectionism that comes out of doing anything where now I'm like, if I pick up a hobby, if I'm not immediately good at it, (laughs) I'm never touching it again, right? So that's that type of unlearning that I'm currently working on as well, that it's okay to be a novice. And if you want to be an expert in it, that's great. Like you just continue doing it, but it's okay to, not be good at something yeah right and um 
so yes, in college, focusing on studies, you're paying so much for college, so you, don't have <laughs> other t- you don't have time for other extracurriculars. Right. But then you go to these internship interviews or um, job interviews, and they're like, okay, so what do you do in your free time? I'm like, free time? Yeah. <laughs> Studying, obviously. Of course, yeah, just at the library all at day. At the library, <laughs> in the labs. And they're like, no, (laughs) what are the other things that you do that make you who you are? And those were not things that we were taught in the type of culture that we grew up in. It's it's like, are you getting those hundreds on everything that you're doing? Are you um, getting the top interview for this top company or whatever? It was was never like, it was never the creative side. Are you enjoying this other aspect of your individuality? I did try to have some semblance of um, a safe space in college. Uh, I started a dance team there with my oh, roommates, so nice. we were able to kind of relive our younger days of dancing, but also um, make it more, just more fun, meet new people, um, and that let our creativity lose because it is there were no parameters for it. The only parameters right. were how many people you have in your team right, and yeah. um, what costumes you're going to wear. But but really, when it came to the dance aspect of it, we could do whatever we wanted right. versus the parameters of your curriculum which you have to go a standard way or you won't graduate. Right. <laughs> Things like that. Um, so that's the achieving mindset that I was balancing from being younger when I was doing everything mm-hmm. to college where I was trying to pick and choose here and there. Yeah. And also trying to figure out, um, I don't know if this happened to you, but growing up, you end up being like a, star student like a lot of younger kids end up being star students and you come to college you're like oh my god everyone is way smarter than me and you just kind of have this floundering about who you are and what you're doing and I don't know because then you because you tied everything about who you are as an individual to what you achieved and you're like I achieved all these things pre-college and they're like okay well I did all this and then this is where I'm going I'm going to NASA after college like I'm doing this after college and I'm like oh my god that anyway yeah you you're constantly thinking about that um and maybe that's why after college i was always wanting to do things never wanted to be alone Mm. like alone with those thoughts right yeah so now it's um separating myself from my work and that might have happened in this conversation because at the beginning you're like who are you outside of work right (laughs) i'm like what are you talking about i don't have a personality outside of work uh but really like i am I am enough as who I am, whether that is work, outside of work, whatever I choose to do, like that's, I am enough. Mm, Perfect, no, it's, yeah, because I think that, yeah, really the the ability to kind of, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, like when we separate out ourselves into different people in different, I think there's like that balance of like, all right, I'm a different person at work. I'm a different person with family and friends or whatnot. But I think those are different sides of the same coin. Yeah. Right. But when we go too far in that direction, then it's like, oh, you're like duplicitous or you're like, you know, a completely different person. Yeah. And so I think, but I think having those different perspectives, like let's say you're in a, you know, let's say you do improv, that's like one side of you that's open versus like art versus, you know, at work, right? Mm -hmm. I think those are, different ways to enable that creativity, yeah. right? And I think it, what you said about like the, the beginner's mindset, novice mindset, it's like when we're within that achieving mindset, it's like, oh, if I'm not perfect at this, if I'm not like an expert at this, mm-hmm. it's very, it can be challenging when we 
have been in that mind, mindset slash state um, for such a long time. It's humbling. Right, yeah, because it's like, because I, so I picked up, um, one of the things I've been doing is last, uh, in May, I started doing like, all right, in, you know, each month I'm going to do like some habit for every day that month. Okay. Um, so like in May, I did like one mile every day. Um, and so I ended up getting my time down from like, I was like 6.45 for a mile down to like, my fastest was like 5.50. Oh my um, goodness. <laughs> for a mile? Yeah. That's insane. And then, uh, yeah, and then like this month I started doing, but I had been like running before, so it yeah, wasn't okay. like, it's like I, I'd been, so it wasn't like something new, but like yeah. in j this month in July, I finally started picking up uh, like the, the flute, like the bunsuri. Oh, wow. Yeah. On top of also running a mile still or? I don't know, not on top of, I mean, okay. I'm just, it's like the, I guess the point of that was to like bring it into my identity. Yeah. And so like, all right, it's, it's a part of me and I know I'm a runner. I know like, mm. I'm, f I mean, you know, I am healthy enough to run and you know, all that type of stuff, right? Um, but then from this beginner's mindset of like flute, it's like, you know, I, I play a couple other instruments, but it's like, all right, I'm like, I'm relatively good at those. Um, but then like picking up the flute, I can like starting out barely make a sound. Like if the holes, you know, aren't closed yeah. or like you got to put your mouth in the right position to like blow into the hole and like all that type of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's like, all right, this is a little bit frustrating, yeah. but it's also kind of, I think, um, kind of get, getting into flow, yeah. all right, of like, okay, like I'm, I'm picking it up, I can see the growth day over day, even if I only spend 20 minutes practicing a day, yeah. right? So I think that, that progression of growth that I've seen even within the last, you know, this month, right, from July 1st to J July 10th, right? right? Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm making progress, who knows where I'll be at the end of the month, right? But I think that... I think it's something that we always have to like keep reminding ourselves. I think it's okay to be not good at something yeah. at the beginning, but I think just continue to work at it. I don't, it doesn't have to be 10,000 hours, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think, right. you know, it's just like 15 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. And then over time, it's like, oh, wow, we're, I'm pretty, I'm, de I'm decent at it, right? Yeah. Or at least, you know, good at it, something like that. So are these things that you think about during your, I guess, your quarterly retreats um, where you're trying to figure out, are these habits you're going to pick up or pieces of your identity that you have already known for a long time? Like, how do you figure out these are the pieces of my identity that I already have that I want to develop versus I want to pick up these habits just because it's interesting to me or whatever it is? Yes. Like, what is your process during these retreats, I guess? Yeah, so um, I have a what I call a, a life operating system. Um, and so that's like all getting everything out of my head into, uh, I use an app called Notion. Okay. Um, and so it get basically just, it's like Evernote, it's like a habit tracker, it's calendar, it's like pretty much like tasks, management, everything in one app. Um, and so like I just get everything, like my high level, um, you know, thoughts in there, like what do I want to do this year mm. versus like my action items for this week, right? Right. Um, um, but part of that is includes like these habits and practices that I want to inculcate into myself. Yeah. And so then I just have like a long backlog of like, all right, here's the different types of meditations that I want to learn or like um, things I want to do on a daily basis or several times a week, like working out or um, like learning a new language or something like that. Right. So then intentionally only picking one, I think is the hardest thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Saying no to everything else is... I think we're always good at saying yes, yeah. right? 
but it's saying no that's like that really makes us mm. right and so it's like all right by saying yes to this one habit for july of practicing the food for every day i will intentionally say no to everything else and so when i have that intention of like all right, I'm, I'm doing this for 30 31 days it's and when i have it written out yeah it ha adds that level of commitment to yourself yeah right and then you can go an extra mile of like telling people or sharing it with other folks or yeah. you know, whatever like effort. accountability partners yeah. stuff like that right um and so i have that process of like here's all like kind of the backlog of different habits that i want to bring in to my identity and then i just kind of choose one yeah. and then pick that for the month and then basically go all in and then like all right now, hopefully at the end of the month i can say like oh i'm a i'm a flute player yeah. maybe not you know not concert level or anything but i can i know how to play the flute if someone asks me to right yeah um and so you know i guess that's kind of my process oh, for wow. choosing what i want to do <laughs> that's awesome i've been hearing a lot about notion i think we need your notion template or something <laughs> <so>. <laughs> have a lot of lessons learned from this conversation for sure no yeah, yeah. um but i guess was there any last uh um, comments or questions or um, anything that you wanted to... 10.30 already. I know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. um, no, seriously, this was a beautiful conversation. And I really appreciated the questions you asked me just because these were things I've been wanting to think about and did not make the time to think about it. Like, forget the journaling aspect of it, right? Because I do it sporadically, it's not really a habit yet. These were things that... I have been sort of thinking about here and there as I go through my day to day, but not like talking it out with someone. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate the questions you asked. This was an awesome segment. So thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, it was awesome to, I know we, we'd only chatted once and, yeah. you know, randomly reached out. I'm sure like, yeah. who's this guy or whatever. No, 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 not at all. Um, um, that's the, I don't know, that's the fun part about being a podcast team or a host because I get to meet people, especially like yeah. yourself, who are like, I just want to talk. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I love that. I love that because we don't do that, do that enough. I know. We, we might have to do a part two because we didn't even touch on you know, your podcast at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I yeah. can yeah. share a quick blurb about it right yeah. now. So, um, so it's called the Carolina Daisy Podcast. So my co-host and I started it in 2017, which is a long time ago. And we started off with the premise of growing up as children of uh, South Asian immigrants, growing up in the South specifically because um, I was born in India, raised in South Carolina. My co-host, he was born in New York, in America, but raised in South Carolina as well. Mm -hmm. We met in college, so we've known each other for a long time, but uh, it wasn't until after we had both happened to move to Charlotte and we reconnected that he was like, we should record these conversations because our friends at work are tired of hearing us talking about <laughs> it. So it <laughs> out to the, to the world. Um, so the first couple of years was talking about was really educating because at that time in 2017 there weren't any other active South Asian podcasters there was maybe like a pair in the Midwest and one pair in New York but they weren't they were kind of sporadic and we were yeah. the only ones in the south yeah um, so there was just a lot of education going on in the first couple of years but after that mm. I got to meet so many incredible South Asians doing such a variety of work um, we've met South Asians who are like dating coaches uh -huh. who have their own like fitness business, like just so non-traditional. And I really, um, I don't know, that's an amazing opportunity. And yeah. it's through that podcast, I would have been able to like open up this world that wasn't opened up to me growing up. Because it was more like you only know engineers, you only know doctors. Right. There's people out there who are like 
professional musicians, um, and they went against the against the grain of their right. family or their community, and it's just, or like that uh, that fitness guru, like she she was in tech, and uh-huh. then she's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to change women's lives, and I'm like, okay, that's yeah. amazing. Like for someone who did come the traditional path, she's like, I don't want to do this anymore, yeah. and now she's living through her passion. So it's it's things like that that I wouldn't have been able to um, experience if it right. wasn't for the podcast, yeah. including this conversation. Awesome. Yeah. Well, is there anywhere that pe- if people want to connect with you, where should they go to your to you or your you know, the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So the podcast, you can find us at The Carolina Desi, D-E-S-I. And for the nonprofit, it's called Digital Page. Uh, Charlotte founded, um, North Carolina founded, and it's the... The social media handle is at digitalpageorg, and you can find that same. T- you can find the same handles on all social media platforms, and for our podcast, you can listen to us wherever you find your podcasts. Awesome, well, yeah, this is an amazing conversation, Rashmili, um, and I think I learned a lot about about us, about you, yeah. about me, about myself, right? Yeah. About <laughs> you know how how we think about how we approach about the world, mm-hmm. and so um, just wanted to thank you again for your time. Um, and thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Casually Profound series and the Size Eyes podcast. I'll see you all next time. Mm-hmm.